pizza. Yeah, same. My mouth is salty. <laughs> my stomach is greasy. <laughs> and I don't like myself anymore. Talk to somebody else about this. <laughs> Do you want to just jump into it? I don't have any chit chat. Yeah, I don't either. I've got no chit to chat. We haven't listened to any episodes, so we've got nothing yeah. to discuss. No corrections because we said everything correct. Um, cool. So this episode, whatever the case may be, season one, episode 12, directed by Jack Bender. This premiered on January 5th, 2005. So we're in a new year now. Oh, 2005? What, 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 what? So I've got kind of a heavy hitter for history and pop culture. It has a fairly happy ending. Um, So... January 6th, 2005, the day after this episode, Baptist (laughs) members... You know what? Skip it. (laughs) Uh, Never mind. It was stupid. (laughs) Baptist minister and KKK member Edgar Ray Killen is arrested for the murder of three civil rights workers, James Cheney, age 20, Andrew Goodman, age 20, and Michael Schwermer, age 24. The three men were working with the Freedom Summer Campaign in 1964, which was intended to register African Americans in Mississippi to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit about Michael Schwermer, or Mickey as he was often called. Uh, he was an Ivy League educated activist from New York. He went to Columbia, I believe. He held a Congress of Racial Equality Group on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. He and his wife, Rita Bender, volunteered for the Freedom Summer And they were assigned to organize a community center outside of Meridian, Mississippi. On Memorial Day, Schwermer and Cheney spoke with the congregation of Mount Zion Methodist Church in Longdale, Mississippi, about setting up a freedom school. The White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, which is a subgroup of the Ku Klux Klan. We're not even talking about the real KKK here. Uh, We're talking about a a spinoff series responded by viciously beating many of the church members and burning the church to the ground. So on June 21st, Schwermer, Cheney, and Goodman meet at the Meridian office to drive out and investigate the burned church. They said, if we're not back by 4 p.m., start trying to locate us. On their way back from looking at the church, Deputy Sheriff Cecil Ray Rice pulls them over for speeding Cheney is arrested and Goodman and Schwermer are held for investigation at Neshoba County Jail until 10 p.m. So after that, they are free to go and they start driving back to Meridian. Almost immediately, Deputy Price is following them in his patrol car. He pulls them over and then, I guess, starts, uh, gets them, apprehends them again. Um, and then starts driving them toward Philadelphia, Mississippi. They stop at a secluded area where they are shot and killed by the white knights of the KKK. It's unclear how many people were actually involved in this, but there were, um, it was a lot. It was a mob. Okay. And they weren't lynched. They were shot. I think, I don't think a lynching has to be a hanging, but I'll check on that. Oh, okay. I think you can, I think lynching means like you were killed by a group for a specific reason. Wow. I didn't know that. I thought that. Yeah, Google says especially by hanging. So kill someone especially by hanging for an alleged offense with or without a legal trial. Hmm, okay. So I would call that a lynching. No legal trial, mob killing. 
Um, at first, this was seen as a missing persons case, and there were actually rumors going around that their disappearance was a staged, w- was staged in an attempt to make Mississippi look bad. <laughs> yeah, like, racist-ass Mississippi was not happy about the Freedom Summer, and they were, they, they, I think they said it was, like, an invasion. They were, like, the invasion of 1964. Wow. Yeah, um, and so they're theory was that the three were actually in Cuba. All right. (laughs) Um, But on August 4th, 1964, 44 days after the murder, the three bodies are discovered in an earthen dam in in Olin Lowell Burridge's farm. Yeah, this was one of the guys, Burridge. He uh, was acquitted. So... By late November 1964, the FBI had accused 21 men of engineering this conspiracy, and most of them were arrested on December 4th. The Mississippi officials refused to prosecute these men for murder. And so murder is... I Okay, I'm not sure if I have this right. But from what I gathered, murder is a state crime, so so the federal government can't charge someone for murder or something. Mm. So... The federal government, led by John Doerr, charged 18 of them with conspiring to deprive the three men of their civil rights by way of murder. (laughs) It was like a real roundabout way of doing that. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, But it's like what they had to do because Mississippi wouldn't prosecute them. Mm -hmm. So this included Sheriff Rainey and Deputy, uh, Deputy Sheriff Rice. Six days later... Okay, this is where it gets even more infuriating because it takes forever for them to take this to court. A U.S. commissioner threw out the charges because he said the confessions that the arrests were based on was hearsay. A month later, government attorneys secure indictments against the conspirators from a federal grand jury in Jackson. And then, on February 24th, 1965... Federal Judge William Harold Cox, remember that name, a segregationist, threw out all of the indictments, minus the ones against Rainey and Price, claiming that the other 17 were not acting under color of state law. I don't know what that means, but it's bullshit, basically. Mm -hmm. The next month, the Supreme Court overrules Cox, reinstating the indictments. Then... Defense attorneys say that the indictments were flawed because the juries from which they came contained insufficient numbers of minorities. I think that what they were saying was like, yeah, wait, insufficient. Why would they say insufficient? Doesn't insufficient always mean not enough? Mm -hmm. Because later on, they argue to have an entirely white jury. Hmm. I don't know. Um, Rather than refuting the claim, the government summons a new jury, and on February 28th, 1967, they've got new indictments. So now they can't fight it anymore. It's kind of a what-now situation. Mm -hmm. The trial in the case of the United States versus Cecil Price and everyone else begins on October 7th, 1967 in Meridian, and guess whose courtroom it is? The segregationist? Yep. William Harold Cox absolute piece of shit, with a jury of seven white men and five white women. The defense attorneys exercised peremptory challenges against all 17 potential black jurors and actually chose one guy who said that he used to be in the KKK. Okay. There were 17 black people that they could have chose from. And 
they chose all white people. Um, the trial was about as much of a racist clusterfuck as you would expect. The prosecution's star witness, James Jordan, cracked under the pressure of numerous anonymous death threats and had to be hospitalized. By the end, uh, the jury reached a deadlock, and Judge Cox employed the Allen charge, which is basically when you look at the jury and say, come on, guys, hurry it up, oh. and like tell people who are in the minority group to give it up. Yeah. It's illegal in half of the states. Okay. Um, by the end, seven of the defendants were found guilty. Cecil Price, Samuel Bowers, Alton Wayne Roberts, Jimmy Snowden, Billy Wayne Posey, Horace Barnett, and Jimmy Allridge. Ar- Arledge. Uh, the sentences ranged from three to ten years. After appeals, no one served more than six. It came out much later that the only reason that Edgar Ray Killen was not found guilty, despite being strongly implicated by the witnesses, was that one lone juror held out on him because she could never convict a preacher. (laughs) So the next 40 years, this is where it starts to get a little bit brighter. Um, The next 40 years, we see no legal action being taken for the murders, but... Jerry Mitchell, a journalist, wrote extensively about it for six years. He helped secure convictions in a number of other high-profile civil rights era cases, too. In this case, get this, Mitchell was aided by high school teacher Barry Bradford of Stevenson High School in Lincolnshire, Illinois, and three of his students, Allison Nichols, Sarah Siegel, and Brittany Saltiel. The student-teacher team made a documentary for the National History Day contest. In it was compelling new evidence, including an interview with Edgar Ray Killen. So this, along with Mitchell's investigation, garners national attention. And then in 2004, on the 40th anniversary of the murders, more than 1,500 people in Philadelphia, Mississippi, including civil rights leaders and Mississippi's governor, Haley Barber, issue a call for justice. So, the case is reopened. Killen is arrested on January 6, 2005, <laughs> indicted for three counts of murder. Whoa! The trial begins on June 13th. Rita Bender, Schwarmer's widow, testifies at the trial, and Killen shows up in a motherfucking wheelchair. He says because he broke both his legs chopping wood... <laughs> But we know how old dudes love to play up how feeble they are when they're being tried for shit that they almost got away with. My God. Fucking Joseph D'Angelo. That other guy. I don't know any examples. Oh, God. Who am I thinking? I'm thinking of the guy who was on trial um, for being Ivan the Terrible. Oh. Um, But... It turns out he wasn't Ivan the Terrible. He was just another Nazi. So it's kind of like, okay. (laughs) Um, Killen is found guilty on three counts of manslaughter on June 21st, 2005, 41 years to the day after the crime. He is sentenced. He thought he got away with it for so long. He would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for those meddling kids. (laughs) He is sentenced to 60 years in prison. Okay, this is where it gets fucking ridiculous. He's released on bond in August for $600,000, saying that he's confined to his wheelchair and his right hand don't work no more. Uh, He made a big show of having to use his left hand to swear on the Bible during the trial. So he stuck to that story. On September 3rd, he's seen walking around with no problem. 
on September 9th, he's seen driving a car. <laughs> then a deputy sheriff said that Killen shook hands with him using his right hand. <laughs> his bond is revoked and he goes back the fuck to prison. And on January 12, 2008, that motherfucker dies in Mississippi State Penitentiary at the age of 92. <laughs> wow. He Okay, this is interesting. He was cellmates for a time with James Hart Stern, a black te- teacher preacher a black preacher from california and the two of them actually form like a close relationship uh killen wrote him handwritten letters detailing his views on race and confessing to other crimes stern details the experience in his 2017 book killen in the kkk uh killen actually gave stern power of attorney and stern disbands his incarceration what's happening to me (laughs) His incarnation of the KKK on January 5th, 2016. What does that mean? Disbands his incarnation? I think it means, like, his his branch. His location. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> um, the movie Mississippi Burning, starring Willem Dafoe and Gene Hackman, is loosely based on the murders and the investigation that followed. But more importantly... In Mad Men, season four, episode one, Don's date, Bethany. Remember when he goes on that date yeah. with that young girl? She says she knew Andrew Goodman. Which one is that? Uh, one of the guys who was murdered. Wow, how does she know him? I don't know. I'll have to rewatch all of Mad Men again. Oh, oh no. Do we have to? <laughs> okay, are you ready for the movie? Yeah. All hell breaks loose when the Burns family meets the Fokker family for the first time. Okay, I'm assuming it's not meet the Fockers. Is it meet the parents? <laughs> it's meet the Fockers. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you weren't going to say it. Um, there's a couple fun trivia facts. Uh, this was the highest grossing film in which Robert De Niro has ever appeared until wow. the Joker in okay. uh, 19... Or in 19? <laughs> in 2019. Um, you know, back in 19. I found that hard to believe. He's, He's been he in so much so many stuff. Credits, yeah. Um, what do you think was number one on the alternative chart? I don't know. I didn't prepare for the quiz. I think, um, like, emo. Boulevard of Broken Dreams. What? Oh my what? god! the genre well yeah but that's still pretty good i accept the victory oh god i don't even know how to talk about lost now (laughs) um anything to say before the recap yes (laughs) (laughs) that was too much caroline this episode is at the bottom of our ranking. It's not the number, it's not the last one, but it's on our bottoms list. It's a rated, I mean, it's, fuck. <laughs> it's the pizza. It's getting to me. This episode is one of our lowest episodes. That's number 109, which is ninth from the bottom. Whoa. But it's rated 8.1, which is not even bad for IMDb. Yeah, okay. 
So we open on a beautiful shot of the green, green jungle. Ooh, and then yeah. we pan up and we see Kate in a tree. She's in a motherfucking tree. She is up so high. She's gathering fruit. She descends the tree and then begins to walk back to camp. She hears a branch snap behind her. And then I wrote down that the sound design was really cool because it you hear this like beautiful song. Yeah. It's very peaceful. And then you hear the branch snap and then and then we're in panic mode. So immediate danger. She follows the sound of the rustling and then throws a rocket where it came from. And it turns out that it's Sawyer. He was fucking following her. He says that he was protecting her, you which maybe that's true. I don't know, but she what else seems would very flattered. Steal her fruit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Kate stops suddenly as they're walking back and Sawyer says, what, you smell blood on the wind? She follows the sound of what she hears, uh, and then it leads her to a waterfall. Oh, the scene was gorgeous. Uh, Sawyer immediately disrobes. <laughs> um, also, I think that I'm team Sawyer. If we're, if we're what talking are the Sawyer versus Jack. Okay. Oh, we'll gosh, talk more about know. my feelings about Jack in this episode. Okay. It's weird that in such a short amount of time, we've seen her be all coupley with both Jack and Sawyer. Right. Even when she was like, wait, stop. She touched his body. Like, she was oh. like, hold on. And I was like, you only do that with someone that, again, you've crossed the the intimacy barrier with in the same way that we just said she did with Jack in yeah. the last episode. It's kind of weird because, like, I mean, I guess it's a credit to how charming Josh Holloway is because everything that Sawyer has done and all of the words that come out of his mouth would make me not want to be alone with him. I don't know. I mean, he tricked her into kissing her. He's pinned her down by the end of this episode at least six times. Um, (laughs) He does that perfect form dive into the spring did you see how no. she she just like flew off the rock and then he does like a diving team dive. Oh my god. And then like grabs her underwater, like, ooh, gotcha. Ugh. I I, I don't shipped know. them. I shipped I do them too. After and that's that. the thing. Like I I do too. It really it smacked of Tuck Everlasting, and so I shipped <laughs> them after that. Also the like like you said, the music is I think it's the first time we've heard that song. Maybe it's the only time that we hear that song because it just, it sounds like different from everything else, but in a way that like makes sense. Also, they transition to spooky so well because you have this like sweeping kind of melody. And then when they're underwater, like swimming towards the bottom, it's like, it like has that plucky sound. that's like a little spooky. And then they see... Two dead bodies still strapped to their seats under the waterfall. Did you see Sawyer butt? No. <laughs> His pants were like coming down when he was swimming down towards the corpses. And I was like, hey, uh, see. <laughs> um, Sawyer wants to go see what they have on them. So he dives back under the water. Kate sees a briefcase and doesn't grab it. So uh, they and then they swim to the surface. Sawyer got the guy's wallet. Um, and then, For what? Yeah, right. Where is he going to spend? There's a punch card in it. <laughs> um, Kate says that it's her briefcase and she needs his help grabbing it. So Sawyer goes back down, grabs it. When they were swimming back up, I was so nervous that someone's leg was going to get caught on something. Because 
I think it's because they waited until like the last second yeah. until they swam back up. But that doesn't happen. He hands her the briefcase. She inspects it and Sawyer deduces that it's not hers. She says, nope. And Sawyer says, so can I take it? And she says, sure. Okay, so yeah, at the beach, there's a rising tide that's washing everybody's stuff out to sea. So people are running into the water, grabbing stuff, and then running back. Jack says we need to get this stuff off the beach by nightfall. Why is Jack there? Great question. Jack's everybody's boss. Um, Saeed says that he's going to have a hard time convincing people to move inland after what happened to Claire. Jack says he needs Saeed to take him to the French woman. Change of subject. <laughs> Um, Saeed says she's crazy, her mind is gone, there's no point, uh, that the sound that he heard was just wind playing tricks. Alright, Saeed. Jack says, well, at least let me look at the documents you took, and Saeed says he can't figure anything out, that the notes are in French, and if he could translate them, then maybe he could make sense of it if only no. someone on this island spoke French. <laughs> Saeed says, maybe some things are best untranslated. Jack says you should tell that to him. And then he points to Charlie, who is sitting there staring blankly at the sea. Yeah, interesting that Saeed, like one of his motivations for, there's multiple motivations for getting the translation, but one of them is Charlie's whole situation. Like Saeed's noticing and he's caring about it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, okay. Because isn't he, isn't he trying to translate the maps to see where Claire might be on the island? That's what the recap said. Oh, yeah, maybe. But I didn't get that from the episode either. I thought he just was doing it to do it. Yeah, I thought he was doing it because it, I mean, it would be Well, maybe then no one's looking for Claire. (laughs) We've all (laughs) given up. but that's, I think they, like, kind of gave up on that. Because in that next scene where Shannon, (laughs) Shannon's also not doing anything. Boone comes up to her, asks, she asks where he's been. um, And he says, we're looking for Claire. And then it. It seems like they've given up on her. Like, everyone else has given up on it because Boone is like, well, at least we're doing something. Uh, And then he calls her useless again. Cut to Kate that night poking a fire. Sawyer walks by with a suitcase. And then we get our flashback. It's Kate. She's applying for a loan at a bank in New Mexico. The guy calls her Miss Ryan. So that's the alias that she's using. She says she's a photographer for a coffee table book of old movie theaters. He gives her a recommendation of an old theater, and then uh, at that moment, a group of men in ski masks enter the bank and immediately start shooting in the air. These guys uh, struck me as amateurs. Um, Yeah. Amateur criminals, because they immediately start shooting in the air, they're very aggressive, and then they fuck up later, which we'll talk about. (laughs) One of the robbers tells Kate, get on the ground, bitch, which is harsh. (laughs) Another one of the robbers holds the man that Kate was meeting with at gunpoint and asks if he's uh, the manager. He is, so he tells him to open the money cage. Back to present, Kate is sneaking up on Sawyer, who's sleeping, and pulls the briefcase out from between his legs. He wakes up and then grabs her, holds her in a very compromising position, and says, maybe you didn't come here for the case after all. Then she headbutts him and breaks free but uh, isn't able to grab the suitcase. Sawyer says he won't give it to her. Cut to Shannon, sunning on the beach. She <laughs> she just got done untying her bikini top when yeah. Saeed hobbles over. Don't ask her about it now. She's worn a top in every other scene. <laughs> He's like, I'm a 
discuss. Yeah. <laughs> the matter doesn't need to be now. But he tells her that he needs help translating. She says, did my brother put you up to this? What the fuck? You think that Saeed is gonna... <laughs> no one respects Boone's authority. No one ever asks. Saeed is a catty little bitch. I want to know if Shannon brought that many bikinis or if she's claimed all the bikinis of the dead. Oh. She's had so many so far. So I have a clip of this scene. Okay. I would. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Sawyer is trying to pick the lock. Michael walks by and says, you're wasting your time. If you pick a lock on a Halliburton, I'll put you on my back and fly us to LA. And then Sawyer calls him daddy. He says, better find yourself a runway daddy. And I screamed. Honestly, I'm cool with Sawyer having sex with any one of the characters because he has sexual chemistry. With everyone. With everyone on the island, even just casually walking by. <laughs> well, Hurley walks by and then laughs out loud when he hears Sawyer's trying to pick a lock on a Halliburton. You know better than that. Not a Halliburton. <laughs> Michael says his best bet is hitting it with an axe. Cut to Boone walking through the jungle with said axe. He finds Locke, who asks, did anyone see you take it? Boone says, no, I don't think so. And then Locke is like, well, which is it? Is it no or I don't think so? Like, fuck you. It's like Locke is his new dad. Boone took a long way getting there, too, so Locke really wants to keep this a secret. Why? Why is it so important to keep this a secret My from question. everyone? It's not, like, a bad thing. It's not... I don't... Uh, Rose, who we haven't seen in a couple episodes, approaches Charlie. She calls him on not doing anything yes, while she's everyone else is helping. That's not going to take his shit. Um, so he starts helping. Cut to Sawyer. God, my mouth is so dry. I think I need to go get some more water. A 250-pound rat with scimitar-like tusks and a surly disposition who'd love nothing more than to eviscerate anything comes near. sockets um good that's great news <laughs> anna just checked something off of a list <laughs> i'm doing a physical <laughs> when was your last period <laughs> okay cut to sawyer trying to break the suitcase against a rock this is cool. He He's in the middle of the jungle. He's doing this. And he looks up and then sees himself. Like, the editing made it so that he, like... Oh, I didn't notice. Um, So, yeah, he, he looks up. And then the next thing we know, he's up on top of, like, vines or some shit. I don't know what he was on top of. But he, um, <laughs> he says, impact velocity physics my ass. <laughs> And drops the suitcase on the rock. It still doesn't open. And then Kate rushes out and grabs it. Sawyer climbs down and then chases after her. So they're running through the forest. And then they get to this clearing of tall grass. Sawyer tackles her. 
And then he says he'll give it to her if she tells him what's in it. And she doesn't tell him what's in it. And then he walks away with it. I was really jealous of their filming locations, specifically in this episode and the last one too. I'm sure it's all hot and buggy all the time, but those trees and the vines and like the hills that they were climbing up in the last episode, everything is so stunning. That waterfall. I would love to do a scene where I'm running through a forest. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I, yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing as like, it would be so fun to be on that show just because you get to go to so many pretty places. Um, well, you just need to do a psychological exercise and go to an audition yeah, to test yourself. Back to the bank flashback. The manager is refusing to open the money cage. The guy next to Kate whispers that he can take one of the guys. She says, what? And then the man <laughs> rushes one of the guys, knocks his gun out of his hands, and then slides it over to Kate. She picks it up and is kind of like fumbling with it, but she's still pointing it at the guy. And she says she doesn't know how to use it. Um, another one of the guys grabs her and then brings her into a room like he's going to beat her up. Um, and then he removes his mask and then they laugh and laugh and then they make out. Listen to the music while they kiss. Ew. <laughs> the show was like, this is not good. <laughs> Don't think for one second that anything good is happening. <laughs> Don't kiss during a bank robbery. Yeah, okay. Cut to Jack and Son in the caves. He asks what the plants are for. She says headaches. That was a cool little... It was after I had said the thing about Jack should be... Yeah. But also, he, she's teaching him. Yeah, uh, exactly. In front of Son, uh, Kate enters and says, we have a problem... You're the only one who knows about me. So that's fun because we know that Sun can speak English and they don't. <laughs> she tells Jack the briefcase was the Marshalls and in it, it has money, uh, personal stuff, and four nine millimeters with a few boxes of ammo. Jack asks, guns? <laughs> yes. <laughs> she says sooner or later, Sawyer's is going to be able to open it. She says she knows where the key is. Um, it's in the Marshall's wallet in his back pocket. And she just needs to know where he's buried. Jack thinks that she's hiding something. He's, like, very immediately suspicious of this. Yeah. Um, and says that he's going to go with her and they're going to open the case together. If Jack was your boyfriend, he would read your fucking diary. Like, he has some serious... I, he thinks he's entitled to know everything about Kate because... They I fuck occasionally. Like, I don't get... Yeah, I'm having a hard time with my guy. Charlie and Rose are carrying shit at the beach. She asks... Or, sorry, he asks why she's smiling. He says there's no reason to be happy. Things are awful. He says there's a monster in the jungle. And she gives him this look that's like, what? <laughs> so apparently she hasn't heard about <laughs> that. She didn't see that, that episode. <laughs> he says there are people trying to hurt us. Then Rose stops him and abruptly says, Nobody blames you for what happened to Claire. She says that she thinks he needs to ask for help. I would love to write for this show because it just feels like you could roll dice to pick any two random characters yeah. and write a compelling like scene about the them. <laughs> There's endless combinations and it's refreshing every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the characters are just so good in this show that like you can really just match any two together. 
Cut to Jack and Kate at the Marshal's grave. Jack says he buried the Marshal instead of burning him because he needed to bury him. Like, all right, fuck off. We get it. There's a lot of outfit changes in this episode. Really? Yeah, like everyone's wearing a new outfit almost. Hmm. That's exciting. Back to the bank flashback. Did they have sex? Uh, okay, I, I think so funny we that are you say meant that. To believe that because they're like putting clothes back on. I took a clip specifically to point out how turned on they sound. So you ready to do this? Hell yeah. But now their imaginations are running wild. What's going on in that room? Yeah. And then after that, he calls her Maggie. And then slaps her in the face, so she, no warning. she starts bleeding. They go back, and he holds Kate at gunpoint, counting down from three. When he gets to three, then the manager agrees to open the vault. Yeah. Good drama show. This guy, he knows he's on this TV show. Um, <laughs> back at the grave, the smell of decay is making them dry heave. <laughs> um, but Kate is able to grab the wallet. She opens it, and there's maggots inside, so she drops it. Jack picks it up, uh, and the key is not in it. He says, the key's not in it, but that was real good sleight of hand distracting me with the wallet. She's so good. She keeps betraying Jack in small ways. Mm -hmm. I took a couple important clips here. You alright? Compared to what? Sometimes people say that my head is too big for my body, and then I say, compared to what? I also thought about Marcel the Shell. I can never hear that phrase again. That's what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Back to Saeed and Shannon. What she's saying that this says is not clearing anything up. He's saying that it should say something about latitude and longitude. Um, wait. Has she already said the thing about... Have we already talked to them before? You didn't say anything about that. Oh, I before. did. I missed it. So <laughs> earlier, Shannon is sitting with Saeed trying to translate. He asks where she learned to speak French. She says there was this guy. And then Saeed oh puts my God. his hand under his Spill chin. Spill the tea, sis. Yeah. <laughs> They're just having a little beach kiki. That was crazy. His his performance in that scene, I have never seen. This is the first of this He's for Saeed. Gavin like a gal. He's a little gossip queen. Okay. I'm so glad that you pointed that out too. But then, okay, we come back to them. Um, she's saying that nothing is adding up. Um, he says it should say something about latitude and longitude. He's clearly getting frustrated. She says it's probably nonsense because this woman is insane. Um, she then calls herself useless and then walks away. Jack approaches Sawyer to get the suitcase. He threatens to stop giving him his antibiotic for his stab wound. This is my favorite scene because the stakes are really high. It's a standoff between Team Yahoo and Team Schlimschlam. And <laughs> Sawyer seems so unbothered like it's really intense for jack and sawyer's just like oh you want to cut off my arm all right here's your suitcase yeah okay sawyer calls him like he calls bullshit he's so then not he still scared gives of it to him yeah he brings the suitcase to kate on the beach and then they go to open it together at the caves cut back to the bank the manager opens the money cage he says to let Maggie Kate go. The guy tells him that the whole thing was her idea. 
So he tells him, like, the whole plot. Then he removes his mask and goes to shoot him. But Jason this- sucks so bad. <laughs> Is his name Jason? Yeah, that's the moral of this episode. He then removes his mask and goes to shoot the manager. This was clearly not part of the plan because Kate grabs someone else's gun and then points it at that guy, at uh, Jason. We know his name is Jason now. Um, Then she shoots all of them in the leg, or not all of them in the leg, but like he, she shoots all of the other guys uh, to wound them. Um, She tells the manager she only wants what's in the safety deposit box, 850. She very, she very, she very coldly tells Jason uh, that her name is not Maggie. She opens the safe and there's an envelope inside with something small in it. Hey, um, one of the trivia or one of the goofs on Lostpedia from this episode is that the subtitle will say 850, but it was security box 815. Oh, that makes more sense. Back at the cave, Jack is about to open the suitcase and says, anything you want to tell me? Fucking okay, What's Dad. going on? <sighs> he pulls out money, ammo, guns, and then an envelope that says personal affects. Then a smaller envelope inside the envelope That's with something tricky. solid in it. Uh, he hands it to Kate and she pulls out a tiny model airplane. He asks her what it is. She says it's nothing and then tries to walk away. He then grabs her mm-hmm. arm and then forces her to tell him. And so she's like crying because it's clearly a very emotional experience for her. And then she's got this man grabbing her and shouting in her face. So she crumbles to the ground sobbing, saying that it belonged to the man that I loved. It belonged to the man that I killed. And then Jack gets up and he rubs his face to communicate to us that he feels bad. And then he puts the rest of the stuff in the briefcase and leaves. Cut to everyone leaving the beach. I love that shot. I- now I'm happy because that re- that shot reminded me of camp. Did you notice that Shannon and Saeed were walking together, but the last time we saw them, they got in a fight and she cried and left? I bet you that they shot everything out of order and those oh. two, like no one was paying attention to where Maybe. they were because they got along and then they fought and then they got along again. But they didn't make up until later in the episode. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, Later that night, Charlie approaches Rose at the fire. He brings up her husband and she says he'll be back. She knows he's alive. She says it's a fine line between denial and faith. And then Charlie begins to weep. Um, He asks her to help him. She says that she's not the one who can help him. And then she begins to pray. That scene was very beautiful to me. I just like those two together. Um, yeah, is there anybody else that we know is Christian? Well, Charlie used to be, I guess. Yeah, like Charlie... I didn't think about that. ...is or was Catholic. And so it's interesting that Rose, who we've seen praying a million times... Like, Rose didn't see the flashbacks and know that Charlie's yeah. Catholic. So why her... You know, what led her, of all the people, to reach out to him... Mm. Or try to bridge the gap. It's just interesting that the two, like, Christians have come together at this point. Yeah. But we don't know what everybody else is. Shannon approaches Saeed. She says that the guy that she was talking about from France had a kid who hated her. And they used to watch a cartoon that had a song with a cartoon fish at the end that sang La Mer. And she sings it. 
and I got chills because it was so beautiful. Um, and then it was promptly ruined because huh? Boone is just lurking in the shadows behind them. In all caps, I wrote, why Boone in the trees? <laughs> I just, I, I was typing on my phone and that was all I could manage to get out. Your last words. We see Jack walking by Kate at a fire. He doesn't say anything. Kate looks at the airplane as a piano version of La Mer plays, and then we close out. I think that this is the first episode that doesn't end with a dum-dum. I wrote that, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And that's it. That's the whole episode. I liked when Boone was talking to Shannon, I think the first time we saw them in this app, and he won't tell her what he's doing with Locke. And she says, is he your new boyfriend? <laughs> My answer is, yes, she must have seen the last episode. It's really <laughs> romantic. Boone also says that he and Shannon are a joke. He's got... Wait, he did? Yeah. He's got a real, like, complex going on regarding how people perceive him. Yeah. Is what I'm gathering. He's like, you know they all think we're a joke. I guess because they came together, he needs her to pull his weight. I mean, he's been... Pull her weight. He's been trying really hard and she hasn't been doing anything. Yeah. And so he's really insecure about what she's been doing for some reason. Mm. Um, I wrote a lot of notes about... Jack and Kate, obviously. I wrote, why is Jack being mean to Kate? Like, when she comes up and she's like, we have a problem. And he goes, we have a problem or you have a problem? Well, the point was he trying to make, that she's selfish? I didn't get that. I don't, because that hasn't, has that been an issue before? Has she been selfish with? The only thing I can think of is that, I don't know, the only reason why I would be so hostile to her is because of the shit that's gone down with Jack and with Sawyer. I don't know. I can't yeah. articulate this properly. But the two men have communicated in the past that, like, she's a problem. That they can agree that they don't really trust her. Like, when Sawyer is like, oh, I knew she would send you to get yeah. the fucking briefcase. And, like, uh, he Sawyer knows that one of these two men is going to fi- figure out what's in there. Yeah. They have – they the men definitely have an understanding of each other – because she's so difficult to deal with. It's so complicated. I started this episode. Is it that she's difficult to deal with? Or is it that Jack in, Jack feels entitled to parts of her? They like, both I do. I think that, well, spe- I, specifically Jack, though, because Sawyer at least is upfront about it. Jack has this guise of being, like, the good guy. But he has expectations of her. Of, of her to act a certain way, and then she doesn't act that way, and then he's mad at her. And, like, they don't, they're not friends. Like, they just met each other. I don't know, dude. I wonder if this forced closeness is an issue for other people here in this I think it's situation, an issue for Charlie too. Because yeah. Charlie is feeling entitled to Claire, yeah. too. They, they've they gone through an experience that nobody else has gone through. So they're, they're like, closer than anybody else in that sense. But also they're all strangers. So there's probably a lot of disconnect. I kind of think that's what all 12 of these episodes have been about, besides the survival and the mysteries. Mm-hmm. The interpersonal relationships, there's... Like, it's so hard to meet each other where you're at because everybody is um, going through the trauma differently. So I could totally see being like, 
feeling like someone's my best friend, even though I just met them or feeling entitled to someone over something. Jack is being really weird about Sawyer in this episode, but Sawyer started it. Yeah. The whole like, she liked it when I kissed her (laughs) and she doesn't want to freaking live with you, dude. (laughs) Um, I really vacillated a lot in this episode between thinking Kate sucks and Kate's really cool. Yeah. Because she had so many badass scenes, but then the rest of the time I was like, get, stop. (laughs) Wait, okay. I was only, I really only liked Kate in this episode. I didn't dislike her. What? All of her emotional stuff always annoys me. Oh. Um, I, I like Jack and Kate and Sawyer, but I don't know how I feel about them coupling off. This is what I was talking about earlier. Neither of them trust her. Yeah. And um, I think to to your point, they drew a clear parallel in this episode between Jack controlling her and Jason controlling her. They showed oh. those like back to back, like him grabbing her. I'm pretty sure the next scene was Jason like just going off oh, in the I flashback. Didn't even think about that. And and then yeah, like the whole I don't know the last ten or fifteen minutes of the episode is her kind of rebelling against all of this male attention and mm-hmm. all of her flashbacks have pretty much been like negative male attention. Yeah. I want to see another episode that's directed by a woman. I wonder how many. <laughs> listen, listen to how, now that we know that, that it was a fake bank robbery, it really made me laugh how hard they're selling it. Like, Jason, the character, yeah. is really weird at being a fake bank <laughs> It's not that the actor was bad. I think the character is bad. Okay. Okay, wait. I'm looking at the list of lost directors. Oh, I see a Roxanne. Roxanne Dawson in season two. Oh, a Karen. Karen in season two. Paris. Although could Paris could go either way. Karen comes back. Yep. Yeah, no, women. you know what? I think there like are show. a total of four episodes directed by women in this show. Maybe five. I actually tried hard on predictions in this episode. I, like, sat down and thought about it. Here they are. Someone's gonna have sex soon. <laughs> it's getting hot and steamy on this island. <laughs> There's sexual chemistry left and right. Oh, I think I I think I might know who it is. Who does it first? Next one. Sun is gonna keep collecting intel on these people who speak English around her. <laughs> yeah, how long is she gonna wait? I feel like she's gonna wait until she can't anymore. Um, I don't remember how it's revealed. What if Claire is being Stockholm syndromed by the others? Like what if when we see her, she's like, now she's a, a problem. Oh. Ooh, scary. That's a consideration that I have. We better see some backstory about Boone's parents because he interacts really interestingly with the characters who are older than him. The dynamic that he has. Almost an inferiority complex, I guess. He said everyone thinks they're a joke. He tries really hard to be helpful and take directions. I wonder if this has anything to do with his upbringing. 
He also tried to take responsibility for the gun and guard duty in episode three, oh and later God. the bottled water that he just shoved Shannon, to Claire. <laughs> Shannon is always telling, is always like making snide comments about how he's a golden boy. Yeah, I yeah, I wonder what that dynamic is. He works for his mom. This yeah. feels like a real a real parenty type of boy. Our oh, boy is our... crying and crying out there because he has a prediction. Yeah, he does. <laughs> if only he could tell us. He only speaks Korean. <laughs> We've still yet to see how Kate got from American bank robber to backpacking in Australia. That's not yeah. a prediction. That's just, we got to see it. The next episode is called Hearts and Minds. That tells me nothing. Mm-hmm. I predict we'll get something dark from Hurley soon because this show has a real tendency to get your guard down and then break your heart. And yeah. we've only seen lighthearted shit from Harley and I. Harley. Harley. <laughs> you know him. My last one is there's something wrong about Shannon's relationship with Boone. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but there's been something off from the beginning. Yeah. And what, like, why doesn't he want her to sing a song to Saeed? <laughs> what the hell's going on? I don't fucking know. He was seething. He was so scary. That was, that truly chilled my spine i'm pretty sure i yelled what (laughs) well r.i.p to the burned up bodies from the fuselage to the corpses under the water Mm -hmm. did kate kill anyone at the bank i don't know if she killed her own friends she shot them all yeah she shot jason in the leg r.i.p to the guy who owned the little plane i guess yeah r.i.p to the marshal again big yikes and maybe rose's husband maybe not well okay are you ready to vote someone off let's vote someone off this island one, two, two three, one. John Jack. Locke. Go ahead. John Locke was barely in this episode. No, I was got it just it. because for that one scene that he's in, he's a dick? No. <laughs> you Well, you already explained yours. Um, I chose John Locke because he's not telling anyone about digging up the metal thing from underground. Yeah. Just like he didn't tell anyone about staring the monster in its face before. He's full of secrets. Yeah. And he's probably making Boone lie about this, too. He definitely, yeah. like... He made him steal that Wait, axe. What if what if Boone is turning into a psycho now too, and that's why he was hiding? Oh, it feels like Boone will he's follow been hanging him out blindly. With John Locke too long. No, no. Who's your MVP? One, two, three. Saeed. Rose. I get yeah, that. Yeah, I get I get that too. Saeed defends the beach people against Jack, trying to make them move every single five minutes. Yeah. Saeed's like. Here's another camp. We don't need to go to what the I rape don't caves. Get is why they don't move to the caves because is the jungle safer? I feel like the jungle would they're be They're still on the beach. I think they're like past oh. the tree cover now. Oh, okay, never mind. Um but maybe I chose I'm wrong. Rose because uh she did great work. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Said's also the only one working on the maps and the note. Well, I mean, he's spearheading it. And Third reason is because he's making new friends. Yeah. And we like to see it. I love that. Oh, all right. Well. We had a lot of feelings about this. Yeah. This is a big Maybe one. that's why this is a lower ranked episode because people are just like, about Kate and Sawyer and Jack. Maybe. Um. Cool. Well, follow us on Instagram at you lost me pod, Twitter at you lost me pod, email us at you lost me pod at gmail.com. Um anything to say stay strong against toxic males yeah okay bye